Welcome to Affect Autism, where we discuss the application of the developmental individual differences relationship-based model started by Dr. Stanley Greenspan for children with developmental challenges, including autism. And we have with us a returning guest this week, and this is Jackie Bartell. She is a retired special educator who lives in Rochester, New York, but she is still very active and she's a DIR expert training leader with the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning, which is the home of DIR floor time training. And she also consults with them and does private consulting. And we have discussed DIR before. We had three past podcasts together, Jackie, applying the DIR model in a public school, inspiring, relating, communicating, and thinking at different developmental levels, and the podcast we did recently, Can Visual Prompts About Time Promote Understanding in Floor Time? So welcome back. Great to be here. <laughs> so today, um, I thought we would go over something that I've heard you say many times, and that is, um, we are human beings, not human doings. And so when we talk about applying floor time and applying the DIR model and doing floor time, we want to think about being with the child as opposed to doing. So the distinction between a lot of um, developmental approaches like the DIR model versus the behavioral interventions where they're focused on behavior um, and teaching skills, the developmental approach, and specifically today we're talking about DIR floor time, is more about working on being. And just like we covered in the podcast about inspiring, relating, communicating, and thinking at the different developmental capacities that we talk about in the DIR model, we are going to cover being versus doing at each of these capacities and some other um, things that come up along the way. So Jackie, can you tell us a little bit about, a little bit more about what you mean by being versus doing? Sure. So when I think about, about uh, DIR, DIR floor time, what I think about is that, is that, that, the, that the predominant important piece of it is about building a relationship and helping our kids learn how to build relationships with other people. So it's really important to think about what does that mean and how do we do that? And when we think about being versus doing, doing is something that we're actively engaged with, it's about getting something done, it's about being able to check off, okay, now I've got this skill or I've accomplished this, this activity. But when we talk about being, being is about, it mean, means being in the moment and it's, it's moment to moment and it's, it's about the experience of allowing us to be present because that's what we really need when we build a relationship with another person. It's not about all of these other things that are going to happen, but it's about being together and sharing a moment. And so we have to be really mindful of being present. And so that, that whole idea of being mindful, it allows us to stay here with the child and support the child where they are, rather than thinking about, oh, I have to do this so that the child will be successful. Yeah, and it's such, um, it's such a hurdle to overcome for a lot of people that are new to floor time or the DIR model, especially when they come from behavioral models that they've done in the past. Um, it's really 
a different way of thinking because um, we are always taught this is what we have to do, this is what we have to do. <laughs> and especially when we get a diagnosis that our child, usually a toddler, is on the autism spectrum, there's a big list of things given to us as parents that say, okay, you should do this, then do this, then do this, then do this, fill out these forms, apply to this person for this therapy, and we're gonna do all these things. And the earlier the better, and get in there early intervention. And while the DIR model also says the earlier the better, the approach is so different because it's not this frantic doing, doing, doing. And and when it, it's such a hard um, it's such a hard thing to shift to because you feel like maybe you're not doing anything if you're just being with somebody. <laughs> Oh, exactly. And when we think about, you know, those, the, the, the behavioral strategies or more traditional educational strategies, those are things that they're, they're about doing. And what I want to be, be clear on is that we want people to be doing something. We want them to be doing floor time. But when we make that shift to doing floor time, it's not about doing something and accomplishing it. It's about being with with your child and so and what it really does is it qualitatively goes goes sort of against the paradigm that that all of us have have in our heads that the measurement of our child's success and the measurement of our success as parents is based on colors and numbers and and all of those pieces and really we can teach those pieces to a child but we but that what's most important and critical to be able to showcase those skills is being able to relate with another person. And the way that we're going to help our children develop that capacity to relate is about being with them and enjoying the moments and making those connections with them and making those, those very, very human connections with, your, with, with our children. That's what's going to allow them to show off what they know. Absolutely. And this follows so nicely with a podcast I did a few weeks ago with Dr. Ira Glavinsky, who I know that you know, he's another DIR expert um, and he is a psychologist. And, and we discussed this exact topic about how there's such pressure for academic success. And that's sort of the, the, the bar by which everybody measures children's accomplishments and how we need to step back and really develop those early functional, emotional, developmental capacities described in the DIR model, these um, core early six capacities to start off with that typical children tend to get through before they enter academics so that they're already relating, communicating, and thinking before they start to then learn these higher cognitive skills that academics um, teach. And when those early capacities aren't there, it's a memorization and a regurgitating of scripts. And when you get into higher comprehension, you see a lot of struggling in the children um, to try and understand what they're reading versus reading text versus understanding what they're reading. Um, being able to recite multiplication tables versus understanding what division really is and the concepts behind it. So um, maybe... Um, you had suggested that we go through each of the functional, emotional, developmental capacities and talk about being versus doing. So um, 
why don't we start at the first one, which is uh, regulation and shared attention, where we're really being with the child and wanting to see them uh, calm and able to attend to their environment. Yeah, and I think, you know, before, before we get to that, I think one of the other things that I really, that I think is really important to share is that we are, we are often confronted with our, with our children who have, a, who have difficulty with relating and communicating and making those connections. And I hear so often, and I think this is what you have heard based on some, many, of the, many of the conversations that you and I have had, where people say, I want him to engage with me, or I want her to engage with me, or I want the child to be part of the relationship that I want to have with them. And what, what this is looking at and suggesting is that it's not about them joining us but it's about us joining them. And then what do we do then when we join them? We have to be with them so that we can understand what is exciting and interesting for them that will build that connection and bond. And so as we kind of meander here together through the levels, it's always about thinking, how do I join my child? Not how do I get my child to join me? And that's, that's, that is, again, a paradigm shift. So when we think about that first level, that first level of regulation, and so that, what does that mean? That, that means about being able to be calm and being able to, to experience the world that's around us. And so for many of our children, they're, 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 they're having, you know, they, they could be very fidgety or they could be over aroused, any number of those, those kinds of things, or they could be very, very withdrawn. And what we have to do is that we have to join our child and help them regulate just by being able to be with us. And sometimes that means holding our child and, and, and tight and, and close. And sometimes that means just sitting next to them or being in the same space as them to help them feel that we're respectful of them and to, to help them feel that reciprocity that comes from us. So kind of that, that, that would be how we would describe level one. Yeah. And it, it's, um, again, it goes against this whole cultural way that we've thought about children in the last 40 or 50 years where we are shaping them to become something and we have to teach them what to do because they don't know anything and we're the adults. And this is so hard for, for certain um, parents to grasp when, when they think of things that way, to, to have to let that go and say, I need to see where my child's at. And like you said, being present and being mindful and being in the moment. So um, I just picture if, if you're sitting with somebody and they're not necessarily, um, and I'm, I'm just talking about even just two neurotypical adults sitting together and someone might be looking at their phone or doing other things and you're having a meeting and you're saying, yeah, we got to get this done, we got to get this done. And then you leave, but you don't feel like you're really connected with the person. And it's because you just met to sort of get this agenda filled out and you don't feel a warm relationship or connection. And that's what we're aiming for with our child is that warm connection. So if we're just there saying, okay, we're going to do this task and we're going to do this skill or we're going to write these letters or we're going to look at these flashcards, 
that's more about doing and as opposed to just sitting there and like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and really looking, like observing what's happening with my child. What kind of state are they in? Um, do they feel acknowledged by us? Do they feel understood by us? Well, and I think what, you know, you, what, what, that your point about what kind of state are they in and how can I help them be, f- feel safer because of whatever, whatever they're, they're experiencing because of how they're experiencing the environment and making things calmer for them. So does it mean that you're going to go into a space where there isn't a lot of stuff or you're going to go into a space where it's very quiet or you're going to go into a space that's, that's, you know, that, that's darker? You know, it, it could be any number of things, whatever, we, whatever your child needs to find that place of calm. And, and, and what that looks like from child to child is very different. And here's the other piece that's really important, that we may have to work on this being business across many floor time sessions to get to that regulation place. And that's okay. Because that's part of the process. Because if we do that with our child, then our child is going to learn, oh, that person is going to help me to feel internally comfortable and safe. And so even though it seems like you're just, you're doing the same thing over and over again, your child is learning something about the relationship in that moment. And that's, that's what's so critical. Yeah, because uh, so many times our kids are being pulled from room to room to appointment to appointment. Here we're going here, we're going there, we're going this, and it's chaotic. And then depending on their sensory processing profiles, different things are stressing them out in their environment. And, um, and like you said, it might be having a quiet space, a calm space where they're comfortable. But I also like the point that Dr. Gil Tippy often makes, and he's now uh, the director at the new Shrub Oak School, where you might not have an opportunity to be in a calm place all the time. So we also need to be able to be in other situations with our children and, and help them regulate. So that might be if my son's in the grocery store, he's really overstimulated, I get him to push the heavy cart. I buy like a heavy case of water or whatever, something heavy, and then he's pushing the cart. That's giving his body the proprioceptive input that his particular profile craves all day long. And maybe that helps him be in the calm state and I'm being with him and we're pushing the cart together. And for him, that's regulation and that's us being together. And you're being together and you're, and your son is learning things about the world and he's learning how to do the world because you're giving him experiences that are that are regulating for him but you're not you're not using force to get him to tolerate the grocery store you're using that that the conceptualization of of what dir is you're using your relationship to help him be able to learn about that and that's that's how all of us you know it doesn't matter who you are and 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 where you are functionally, that's how all of us learn how to manage the world. It's because of the relationships that we have to start with, and then we grow as we, as we move up that developmental ladder. And so thinking about, about that second level, you know, which is when, when we sort of start to think about that, that th- those moments of intimacy, when we start 
you're, you're calm and then you can start to have some sort of interaction that has no real content to it, but there's something about you're sharing the moment. So it's, you know, it's, it's thinking about, you know, just kind of being with someone and having them kind of just be with you. You know, you're sitting next to them and you're, you know, you, there's, there's a head tilt or there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, a, 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 a tap from your arm, but there's something about, there's some, you're, you're achieving intimacy or to go to your grocery store example, he's pushing the, the heavy cart with it, with the, the water in it and you're standing behind him and you're doing this and you're having this experience together. It's that those, those, those moments of just sharing being with each other. And this is, this is the most, this is the, this is the really the being level because this is the thing that we're all that, that that you have to really where you really have to think very hard about just being and not doing because now you have somebody who's calm and well regulated and so then you think okay now we can do all of these different things we can you know we can start to go back and forth and we can you can I can get you to talk and I can tell you that you should say this or that nope first we have to just be able to be with another person and then we can move on to the next level because often what happens is that we that 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 this is skipped, and then there's all of these demands put on the child, and then we see dysregulation because they don't know how to, even how to just be with another person. Yeah, and um, and just to uh, refresh the audience, so we're we're talking now about the second functional emotional developmental capacity, which. Um, is sometimes called engaging and relating. And I like to think of it as the gleam in the eye. So when we're thinking of it in terms of a playful floor time session, we're thinking of finding what activity the child is really interested in. And, and they're that gleam in the eye when they look at you with that connection that, yeah, this is going to be fun. Or just having, like you said, that shared moment, like um, in the grocery store for pushing the cart together. I might just get a moment where I see my son is just really content and happy being there with me pushing this cart. And it's different than if he was just pushing the cart his, himself. It's that feeling, that safety cocoon of the relationship. Like you said, that, that to some people that are new to the model, they think, well, you're not doing anything, what's being accomplished. And no, the point is that over time, you're building this relationship where the child feels so safe that within that safe relationship where they can then engage with you and have that gleam in the eye, you then start to work up the developmental levels and get relating and communicating because we're not talking about teaching all these skills. We're talking about building the core capacities that are skills in themselves that then allow you to have all of these skills that you can share with the world. Exactly. Exactly. And it's about being and, and, and being able to share those moments. So I can give you an example. I was work, I was with a little girl who really liked, she was with, with, with different toys and she had a lot of language and I met her and I tried to, to do with her and I talked to her and she got up and she walked away from me. So I then, the, the message that I got was, hmm, she's, she's, she's regulated, but she doesn't have shared attention. So then what I had to do is I had to just be with her. And that meant that we were sitting, she was doing her thing and I was with her next to her. And I was doing the same thing that she was doing 
without any expectation from her to acknowledge me. And as we did that, and as, as I did more and more of that, she, you could see her starting to feel safer and she's, she would look at me and I got that gleam in the eye. And it, we, we were having these intimate moments. And what, when I meet her again, we, I, we have to do more of those kinds of things to help her know that my only expectation of her is to just be with me because she, she couldn't even do that yet. And those moments are so magical when you get that, I got, got that you know, the, the, the gleam in the eye and she was so happy because, oh, there you are. You know, and it's that moment of when we're with our children and you're doing something and you get that, there you are. And that, that, that absolutely best feeling in, your, in, in the whole world of your child is making a connection with you. Yeah, because I think people tend to overlook all of the anxiety and stress that is inside so many children, so many autistic children especially, and, and children with other developmental challenges where, um, where, you know, they are fidgeting, they're jumping around, they might be scripting language to themselves, they might be moving and rocking, they might be tapping things, whatever it is, they're doing that to keep some kind of sense of calm and to calm their sensory system down. And, and that's okay, they can do that and still be able to be with us. But if we are placing all these demands and those types of things are exacerbated, that's sort of a sign that you're, you're putting anxiety on the child, more anxiety than they're able to calmly handle. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes you could see with my example, I, I stressed her because I had, you know, and I was just trying, I mean, I didn't know her and I'm trying and she just got up and walked away. And so that, that quickly told me, nope, you, she's not there yet because she doesn't know how to do that yet. And it, you know, so it goes back to that whole idea of that being. And again, bringing up another very important aspect of the DIR model, which is we see all behavior as communication. So looking at what the child did, she got up and walked away. What is that saying to me? Or in another example, if a child isn't answering you, but they keep grabbing your hand and maybe they don't have a fluid control over their body. So it's a little bit aggressive and jerky and they're grabbing your hand and getting you to do something. Well, Oh, they're trying to tell me something. They want me to do something. Um, so looking at instead of, oh, this child just grabbed me aggressively, instead saying, that's a behavior, they're communicating something with me. And, and sometimes that the aggressive comes about because I have to turn the volume up that loud to get the, the people to stop because the people aren't being with me. They're asking me to do and not be. Right. And the people being us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. When we, we're putting all these demands, uh, the only choice they have that they are capable of at that time is to get really loud or to scream or to kick or to hit or whatever. And instead of looking that as uh, something that needs to be disciplined, taking it in as communication, like we are not doing something and we are, and it's making the child uncomfortable. Exactly. Um, now, what do you say to people that might say, well, we can't just be catering to all of these kinds of behaviors all the time? Because there are definitely people that will say that, right? Like, oh, well, they're kicking me all the time and they're hitting me and, 
and they're doing, they're knocking things over in public. Uh, we just can't tolerate that. Well, no, and, and no, nor should we tolerate that, but we have to understand where it's coming from. Yes. And, and like, like the example that I gave of the little girl, she couldn't do what I was asking her to do. And if I would have kept pushing, so she would have become more demonstrative with whatever she was doing to get me to stop. So having said that, we don't want our kids to do that. So what we have to do is we have to try to understand where is the behavior coming from? What are they trying to communicate with me? Which means that we have to, and often it's because we're asking for things or doing things or having expectations so that we get into that doing place and not into the being place. And we're asking the child to do something that they can't do. So there I was, and I was asking this little girl to talk to me. I wanted her to do something. And when I went back and I just was like, okay, I just have to be with her right now. Then she was able to put up with that. And so we, we really have to be mindful about not having expectations that our children can't not that not not can't meet because that that makes it seem as that that gives it the qualitatively like they're could could just be deciding not to do something it's not that they can't it's that their bodies and who they are are not able to meet those expectations because they still need to develop that capacity or or a lower capacity whatever it is and you, and th this can happen across all of the developmental capacities of our expectations are too high. Yeah, and, and before we move on to the third developmental capacity, let me ask you one more challenging question because there will be people that maybe that hear this and say, well, I put demands on my child and they learned all these skills before they couldn't do this, 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 and that. And we taught them all these skills and we persisted and they complied and now they can do this, 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 and that. Okay. So that shows that I was successful. So what are you talking about, Jackie? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it depends upon how, how we evaluate the successful piece. Yes, I can teach you all of the colors. I can teach you all, you know, I can teach you all of the names of all of the animals and I can teach you all kinds of skills, but can I talk to you? Can I, can, can we then have a conversation about all of those animals? And can, can you tell me that I want the red popsicle versus the green popsicle? Or is it just because you've got, I have this skill set and it, it, it's not within the context of the relationship that I have with another person. And I think that that's the piece that we always have to remember is that, that it's wonderful to have a lot of skills, but if we can't, share them with another person, there isn't really a great value to them because it's just, it's just the child being able to showcase or, 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 or model the skills without there being any, any real connection. So I think we have to be really careful when we, when we say, yes, I've taught you all of these, these things. How do you use those skills? And how, are those skills usable in the context of interaction with another another person you know i mean and I, we know we all know children for example that learn letters and they really they're great with letters and they know all the letters and they can do all of these things and then they start to be able to do words and they read 
and every, we're very excited, but they don't read for any kind of content. They don't, they, there's no comprehension to what, what they're reading about. And reading is, reading alone, but just being able to say, Here, here's the words that I see, and being able to parrot what, what they are is wonderful, but it's not usable in terms of, of making reading a useful activity and make it make it because you know in the end what we want our children to do is to be able to access learning if we can only say the words and not understand what's behind them it's not useful you know i mean right and um and also the piece about um the ch the children children typically want to please their parents or their caregivers because that's who they're with all the time. And if they are um, trying to perform to keep the parents happy, they may be doing this to um, out of some kind of extrinsic motivation. Um, whereas the DIR model is really focusing on the child's intrinsic motivation. So we want the child to want to relate with us and we're inviting them to relate with us as opposed to demanding them or demanding might be a strong word but um you know trying to teach skills and, and have them learn something that we then say oh good job and then they're doing it not for themselves but to please you and to be compliant and and, and you bring up what comes to mind as you as you bring up that point is that sometimes our kiddos they will do you know you know what what color is this what color is this what color is this as you say to please the parents but that that's how they're working on learning how to be and that that sometimes it's not has nothing to do with the with the with the with the, the colors or whatever it is as long as we're focusing on the shared attention and the relationship and the communication that's going back and forth you know, I, I, I always give, you know, the example of, you know, we, we play the game, how big is so-and-so? And then you go, so big, you know, and that's, there, there's a skill that we're asking the child for eventually, but we're doing it in a very related way. And so, you know, some, we can, with, with, with our kids that are on the spectrum, we can't stop some of the learning that they do and some of the acquisition of skills that they have that that's part of part of this but we can use those skills in a related and interactive way so you know i i know that you know lots of our kids they really like trains for example and a lot of them they know they know the whole the whole thomas family and the whole collection which is great but how do we use that then in a way that makes it so that we're we have a connection between each other as we are talking about the trains. And I think that that's the piece that's so important. And it's not just that the, that, that the activity or the moment or the floor time is not about getting someone to just say their list of stuff, but it's about using that list of stuff in an interactive way. Because all of our kids are, our kids are going to have those things, you know, or, or they're, you know, my little girl you know, who, who, who did this kind of stuff, you know, and I have, a, I, I knew another, another customer who ha, he, he had a, like a collection of nouns that was endless. 
and there was nothing to connect them. So he just labeled things. So we had to take that and make that interactive. And that's the challenge. And that, that's the challenge about how do I do this in a way that's not asking the child to keep naming stuff, but how do I take that and make it about being? And that's, that's the tricky part. And that moves perfectly into the third capacity, which is the two-way communication, back and forth, sharing of emotional ideas. Right. And it's, that it's, it's, it's a back and forth sharing of emotional ideas. And notice that that doesn't have any kind of <clears throat> language necessarily that's, that, that's involved in it. And it's, <clears throat> it's back and forth. You know, I go... And, 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 and somebody go, you know, and it's like, you just responded to me, you, you chuckled. So that was an emotion. We had an affective connection and being able to have that go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth over and over again. And that's just about, I didn't, I wasn't asking anything of you when I did this, it was just your response. And if we would have kept going, then I would have, and then maybe I would have done this or something else. Because that's, that, that's how we get that connection going. And so it's, again, it's just about, it's about being and not taking language and trying to get the language to go, to go big. So the little boy that I, that, that I had, a friend of mine, who was all nouns, you know, so, and, and he, he had the, the, the seven dwarfs, you know, sleepy, dopey, I don't know, sneezy. And so we would play with them. And I would have them sleepy and he'd go sleepy and then we would start because he was those were so exciting for him and I was just being with him within the context of where he was and I did not expect him to start to do put verbs in between those words that we were I was okay with just him using the nouns and us getting that back and forth interaction. And, and the more that we did that, and the more that he felt safe, that I wasn't going to ask him to do something that he couldn't do within his, his own, the confines of his sensory profile that he couldn't do, he felt safer and safer. And then it just, it just grew from there that his language started to develop. And he started to get those, those, those verbs. But there was a lot. There was a lot of time of us playing together and doing that before that that evolved. Because he first had to learn about going back and forth and having those affective connections. And and what you're talking about is gestures, facial expressions, the tone of voice that you can use, all of that different affect um, that you can have with a verbal child or a nonverbal child. And oftentimes, the children who are very verbal at a young age, we tend to forget to stop and use those gestures and affect with them and rely on just the words. And then you miss out on the, that effective signaling, I think uh, is a term Dr. Greenspan used, effective reciprocal interaction, yep. <laughs> where we have this back and forth, back and forth, and there's a rhythm to it. And our, it's, you know, back, you, then me, then you, then me, then you, then me. And just now you're nodding, I'm talking, you're nodding back. We're exactly, exactly. And, and I think, you know, what, what, what's, in, what's important here to remember is that those, the, the kiddos that we have who develop language, it's, it, it, it makes, makes this part of it 
even more difficult because what we want to do is we want to use language with them. The little girl that I was talking about who, was, who played with, with her toys like this, she had a lot of language. And so I came at her to start with, with language and realized very quickly that, nope. And so we have to, that, that, that piece, because it, 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 it's, it's, we have this expectation that we're going to meet you with the language that you have. And that's often does not work successfully because we don't have that ability to do that reciprocal back and forth, you know, which is, which is what, you know, it, it, it's critical to be able to be effective and an effective communicator and affect affect is so important because we, that, that, that is the thing. That's the fuel to keep this going. If you will. And I think sometimes parents confuse, um, well, I ask them questions and they answer me and I do this and they answer me, but there's a difference between ask a question answer ask a question answer that stop start stop start stop start stop start stop we're saying more no back and forth like um the center for early development at harvard whatever their center is called calls it serve and return dr greenspan called it circles of communication where it's continuing on the same topic or whatever yeah like table tennis like back and forth back and forth on the same um topic so like you said you stick out your tongue and go like this with your hands the other person chuckles and smiles and then you smile back that's one circle and then you're continuing doing this so that's what we mean um and, and it's hard for parents because it's so natural for us to just question 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 after another with our children oh how did you have fun today oh what did you do oh tell us so and so say this to this person do this do that as opposed to just really sitting with them and, and getting that um, back and forth and looking at each other while you're doing it. Um, doesn't even have to be eye contact, but getting some kind of, um, I, I heard someone say, um, maybe it was you even, um, if you do something and the child might look like they're not listening, but they sort of move their body towards you or an arm comes out or something, that's an indication that they've responded to you. And so you're going to respond back in some way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, that, that lobbying back and forth, it's, it, it's, it's like a tennis game. And we have to, like you ask a question, you know, what, what color is your shirt? And you say purple. What? That doesn't look like it's purple. It's blue. And then there's this back, and when you can see, I like, I delivered a lot of affect. And with our kiddos, we really have to do that. And that we have to, sometimes you have to do nonsense. I mean, I call it nonsense because to keep it going, because for our, because this is hard for our children to do. And so we have to, that, that affect and nonsense and just to keep, to pull one more circle and one more circle and one more circle, keep it going back and forth. And that, that nonsense, what? Oh my, are you kidding? I mean, you know, I, that the interactions that I had with, with your son where we, he, he's doing something. And I'm like, what? Wait a minute. Hold on. Oh no. Oh my, you know, like, and it's big and it's dramatic and it's, it's not going anywhere. 
except for that we're getting that connection with each other. And it doesn't matter what the content of it is. What matters is being able to have that interaction back and forth. And so often we, we get hooked into the minute we start going, doing back and forth, we get it hooked into content. And that's not what it, what's important. And if you go to the full blog post of today's podcast at affectautism.com, the being versus doing, I'm going to link back to some other blogs that I've done that speak specifically to those types of things, stretching out and slowing down the interactions, getting that back and forth, um, keeping different strategies like playful obstruction and, and feigning ignorance, just not in a condescending way, not in insulting their intelligence way, but in a way to prolong an interaction, a back and forth. Um, and, and again, we're always, always um, individualizing this to each child. So we're going to do it differently with a two-year-old versus someone who's six or seven versus someone who's 18, even and, and with different developmental levels. Someone who's 18 might have a developmental level that's one thing and someone else might be somewhere else. So we're always tailoring all of these interactions to wherever that child is in particular, to their sensory processing profile, to their developmental level, the D, to their sensory processing individual profile, the I, and within this safe relationship where they're comfortable being with us. Absolutely. So let's move on to the fourth capacity, which is shared social problem solving. What does so, it look like? So in shared social problem solving, we're really starting to, content is becoming part of what we're doing. And so what we have to do with for our kids, just in terms of thinking about this whole idea of being, we are going to stay in the moment of whatever the social problem is that that's come up, come about. So, um, examples. Let, let's take the example of, of of your son, who we were playing at the museum, and he and he didn't want to move on, and so in that moment, and 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 people wanted him to move on to the next part of the museum because it was so much great stuff to do in the museum. And I just stopped and I'm like, okay, well, wait a minute. What, what are we going to do? And started to give some examples and some choices because that was a hard thing for him to do. But I stayed in the moment with him and we were, it was just about being with him and solving the problem and not about, moving on this way or that way or changing something but just about staying in the moment because he really wanted to stay at that ball machine he did really want to stay at that ball machine and other people wanted to move on and so now we have this social problem how are we going to work it out and it's and and i could have we could have done okay this is it we're going now you're going to do this and that Five, four three two one let's go and that would have may, may have ended well or may not have ended well, but we weren't at that moment. Then we're not working on the whole idea of social problem solving. So it's really, really important that we stay in that moment. And when we get to this, the, these higher levels with kids, it's really, really easy for us to just jump into that place of doing because come on, let's we, we can get this done, we can get to it. And that's not where our children are because our children, they, they need the time and space to be able to learn the emotional relationship-based skills that they need to be able to engage in these levels and to be able to, to, to accomplish them. And so it's really, really important. Stop. 
be present, be in this moment. And give them the time to process and be ready. Um, and, and that's part of solving that problem socially with you. Exactly, exactly. And that sometimes, you know, we, we, what, what, what sometimes can happen is that we, we're starting to work and we move up and it gets too hard. Oh, I got to go back down and I just have to be for a moment. And then we move up and then we move down. And I think the other thing that's really important here is that when we, that, that, that concept of being is also very regulating for our kiddos. Because sometimes what happens was as we move up into these upper levels, something happens and we can start to dysregulate. And so then we have to go back to just being together that we can regain that regulation and then start doing the work again. So it's, it's you know, you don't say, okay, we're here at this level and then we go to this level and then we go and we never revisit the lower ones. We're always, we're moving up and, and the thing to do when things start to get bumpy okay, I got to stop. I got to just be and stop doing and just start being again. So important. And in the full blog post, I'll put a link back to a, a blog I did with Dr. Gil Tippy about moving up and down the developmental ladder, which is about what you just spoke of, where we might be into these higher capacities and then we have to go back to the first capacity of regulating, co-regulating with our child. So into the fifth capacity um, of emotional ideas or creating ideas, having symbolic, uh, imaginary play kind of um, state. <laughs> yeah. So so you know we can put kind of kind of put the fifth and sixth level together because you're really starting to think about emotional ideas and symbolic thinking and connecting then those pieces. So the sixth level is connecting the, those emotional ideas and that symbolic thinking. And what can happen here very easily is that we have a child that's, that's, that's demonstrating some of these skills and then all of a sudden we come in there and we're like, okay, we can do this and we can do that and we can play this way and we should do that. That then becomes us doing and asking the child to join us in what we're doing. And we have to be so mindful to join the child in what they're doing and what the theme is that they've got going on. And so that means that you really, we really have to stop be present in the moment. We have to just be with the child and figure out where the child is and where they're, what, what they're motivated and interested in and give them, if we're, if we're working perhaps on, on helping them develop ideas, giving them ideas that are, that, that, that are about what they're interested in and joining them there and not coming up with ideas or things that, have nothing to do with what with with where their play is going. So you know, I can think of kids that are working. You know, they're 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 driving cars. Well, where what what's happening with the cars? Well, I'm going to the grocery store. Oh well, then why don't we buy blah 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 blah? I could say, well, that may be well and good, but they may be going to the grocery store for a different reason. So what what are we going to do there? Well, could we do this or this? So rather than coming up with the exact idea, helping the child be, act, be actively engaged in coming up with the ideas. And so just, just thinking about staying in the moment, staying with where the child is, being present with their ideas, and not bringing in 
all kinds of things that, that, that we perhaps think are relevant or pertinent. Absolutely. And just before we wrap up, I want to say that I don't want people to confuse this concept of being with, because um, we also talk in floor time about challenging and expanding, because that's how we move the children up the developmental ladder. But we do that when the child is feeling safe and you're being in the moment with them and everything is, is cooking and going well. And then um, we're adding a little bit of a challenge or an expansion. So if the idea is I'm bouncing this ball over the, the wall that we built, and then you might um, expand by doing something different with the ball, but it's still about the ball and bouncing the ball. Um, but you don't have to do the same thing over and over again, and you're still making it about the interaction and play, being playful together. Exactly, exactly. And you're not changing it or, or, or moving it so far, far away from where you originally started that the child disconnects. And that's, that's, always, that's always the information that you, you would, when we get to that place of where we're asking too much and we're doing too much, the child, they're going to give us information, they're going to step away in some, in some, some format. They'll shut down. And, and certainly they might also be shutting down because they have challenges with motor planning and sequencing. And I'll put a link to some of the blogs that we've done about that, which, which gets into um, some other things too. But I think if you always keep in mind as a parent or a practitioner that we're focusing on being and, and having that child feel safe and comfortable within this relationship, that's the takeaway from today. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for being with us. Is there any last uh, idea or summary that you wanted to leave with our listeners? No, I think we're, we're, we're good. I mean, I just, you know, my favorite thing is remember that we're human beings, not human doings. And that we were, we were put here to, to, to be in relationships with people and however we can get that, help our kids do that safely, emotionally safely is, 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 is what we're after. So have fun being. That's right. And, um, and, and doing and doing, see, I just did it right there and being and helping them do this will eventually lead to all of the things that we really think in our head originally that we want them to do <laughs> all really is dependent on building up these early capacities. So thank you, Jackie. You're welcome. And link to the full blog post at affectautism.com where you can link and comment or ask questions. And until next week, here's to affecting autism. <laughs>